0: Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Welcome to Nevada Wild brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez filling in for Aaron Keller is Bobby Jones and today we are out in the field. This is only the second podcast that we've recorded outside of the podcast room that hasn't been on Zoom. We're actually looking at bighorn sheep in the Walker River State Recreation Area and we are joined by Sean O'Brien. He is the CEO and president of NatureServe and we are also joined by Janelle Johnson with the Nevada Division of Natural Heritage. Thank you both for being here. This is awesome. We're sitting in a truck right now recording this. This is so fun. It's
1: awesome to be here. It's so great.
0: <laughs> it's so great to have you and I feel like we have a lot to cover so if, let's just... If I
1: ever stop talking it's because I'm looking at the bighorn sheep. Yeah. I'm just distracted.
0: Uh, well could could we actually open up with some people who are listening may not know what NatureServe is and why you're here about Nevada. I know that's a lot to cover in one question but um, so Sean... It, Introduce yourself and explain what NatureServe is.
1: NatureServe is the organization that works with the natural heritage programs all across the United States and Canada. So we work with Janelle and her compatriots in all of the states and provinces to basically collect and harmonize all of the data about threatened and imperiled species across the continent. And so we work with all of the natural heritage programs and they collect the data and then share it with us through... um, tools that we've created, technology tools that we've created. And there's a lot of shared methodology so that if we say something about uh, an endangered species in Nevada, and we're talking about another species or the same species in another state, the data are comparable. They mean the same thing. So if something is imperiled in Nevada, it's also imperiled someplace else. This is an unusual thing in uh, data that states collect. Normally, there's all sorts of different translations and things that have to happen to get people to make the data actually comparable. And uh, this allows us to protect biodiversity across the entire continent.
0: Which is extremely critical. And so you're actually on a van tour then, I traveling am. all these different places. Fill us in on that.
1: So the great privilege that I have in my role is because we have partners in the states and provinces across the continent, it's my obligation, really. It's, it's a burden to go visit all of <laughs> them. It's such a burden. And uh, I've spent the day today outside with you all and with the Natural Heritage Program here looking at just the most amazing stuff here in the in the Walker River watershed. And uh, so I'm traveling around the United States and Canada, exploring uh, threatened and endangered species with the experts in those species, so that we can tell the story of biodiversity in America and how amazing it is, but also how imperiled it is. There are literally thousands of species that we know about. This doesn't even include the ones we don't know about that we know are in peril. They're species of greatest conservation need, and they need to be protected um, from all sorts of things, from uh, invasive species, from habitat fragmentation, from development, um, climate change, and a variety of other threats that um, cause them to potentially go extinct. And we really want to try and avoid causing more things to go extinct.
0: And then Janelle, how does it feel to have Sean here and your tour guide for the day?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's been great having Sean along. He's so excited about seeing all of our fun uh, species that are out here from the teeny, teeny, tiny ones up to our
0: lovely big horn sheep.
1: J- Nell introduced <laughs> me to, to belly plants today.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I work at Endow. I live in Nevada, and I've learned so much today from you. It's been awesome. <laughs> so well, Thanks.
2: Um, yeah. Uh, Thea, who is traveling with Sean, was asking me what my favorite plants are, and um, we call them belly plants, and it's plants you have to get down on your belly to see. So all the little things that are only a few inches tall, and you wouldn't even notice when you're driving by or even walking, but if you get down and look, like they have amazing little flowers, and um, they're just really cool. There's um, probably 20 different plants just in this little picnic
0: area exactly so many little plants and that's what you were saying earlier today you're like people just need to stop and look around and you can see so much
2: yeah a lot of our desert diversity isn't in your face like sean was saying it's not elephants and tigers and redwoods it's you know little things it's bugs and little plants and spring snails and
1: Yeah. yeah one of the things that's interesting about that is you know people get excited about the big species but we just don't know how all of these things are fully interrelated you know ecologists and biologists are constantly studying this and talking about the web of life but we don't really know what are the species that are going to cause something to really be a problem for us uh, the analogy that's used a lot is you know there's a lot of rivets holding an airplane together and you could take a lot of them out but eventually you're going to take one out that's going to cause the wing to fall off or the plane to crash and We don't know which species is that rivet that's going to cause the ecosystem to collapse or cause some other major problem. And, you know, humans are completely dependent on biodiversity. Everything we eat and drink comes from nature, comes from biodiversity, all the calories we've ever consumed.
0: That's a good point. And a lot of people, you know, they think they hear these things and they're like, well, why do I care? How does it impact me? I feel like you just summed it up. That's like the answer I've wanted to give so many people. You don't know what's going to be the thing that could just make everything else go haywire. People sometimes
1: say, oh, well, of course, if this tree goes extinct, that's going to be a problem because it's big. Mm-hmm. It may not be the tree that's the problem. It may be something much smaller.
0: So what has been, I mean, you—you you, first you traveled the eastern part of the state and then now you're here in Nevada. And what has been, what are standout things here in Nevada that you've noticed?
1: So in the east, you can, well, I've driven more on dirt roads today than I did in the last year <laughs> <laughs> in the eastern part of the United States. <laughs> um, the scale and the the massiveness of the landscapes out here is just astonishing and really sort of when you're used to being in eastern forests where you you know you have to climb up and you get a vista and you can see out over the coastal plain or something and you can see nice things, but here um you know where we are every time you turn around you have these amazing vistas and it's sort of it's. It's filling my brain with amazing scenery that my my eyes and my brain are not used to processing, but it's it's really spectacular. And I love that, you know, you look out and it looks deserty and all that, but when you get down on your belly, there's all of these things to see. It's so cool.
0: There really is. And Janelle, are you happy you chose um, Walker State Recreation Area for the day, or how did you choose this to be the spot to show Sean around?
2: Well, we were really excited to come talk about this area because the state park is new and all the conservation work that Walker Basin Conservancy is doing out here. Uh, we wanted to showcase, you know, some really active projects that are going on to restore this area. Um, the other reason is that I'm going to be working on a project over the next year that is a virtual nature trail that will be in this area, and so it, it will have a stops all along these interesting places and so at each stop you'll be able to read about some interesting species or rocks or history or um, indigenous culture all kinds of things uh, along this trail but it's it's not like a trail that you would think of that you go hiking on this is a motorized trail so you can drive all along it um, and it will probably be about 20 miles long
0: we're very excited about that. Bobby, you've been very excited about this.
2: I
3: was just going to say, and for those people who don't want to go virtually, you also have paper pamphlets, which I have in front of me. Um, I was I was a little embarrassed when I came across it the other day, and I didn't know about it, and it's practically in my backyard. <laughs> but no, I, I was super impressed. It, uh, very exciting stuff. And exactly what you said, you know, people that want to travel, say, in a side-by-side or a four-wheeler, or they want to make a trip for the day. Like, here's an opportunity mountain to go bike. do it. Exactly, mountain bike. And then, um, you know, we what was the term we used earlier today? It's like going with a, with a buddy oh, yeah. a- and getting to learn all along the way.
1: Walking in yeah. walk into nature with your <laughs> best friend. But we were laughing that, of course, you can tell your best friend to be quiet <laughs> because... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, get to, you get to dictate <laughs> the terms. And <laughs> You're I was in s- control. <laughs> and Janelle, we, we skipped over it a second,
3: but, I mean, you're an expert. You're an expert botanist, and, like, some of this information or the information you're gonna be sharing with people might is it's probably not something you're aware of even if you're in, say, a science field or something like that.
2: Yeah, I've been trying to gather a lot of different fields together for this trail so it's not just not just a botany trail. So I, I'm a botanist and I, I love plants and I will advocate for that, but I, I know that plants don't grab everyone's attention. So I'm trying to point out something that will interest somebody you know Mm -hmm. and hopefully there's something in there for everyone to see
0: and it's been so fun today just listening to everything you've had to share it's awesome so if that's an example of what this is going to be i highly encourage people to check it out and uh when could we expect this it's just in the near future um we expect to have this trail completed in about 18 months okay and let us know and we'll help promote it and we were already saying we're gonna have to get you back on the podcast to talk about it
1: (laughs) and the washoe lake state park one to virginia city is really great it's super cool to see what's available to see on the on the trip and i imagine doing both potentially you know might you might not do the whole trail but you could do part of it in Mm -hmm. person and then do part of it virtually
2: yeah and the the one that's already done uh that's at washoe lake you can also enjoy it from home so um i've been i've sent it out to a few people this winter because we just got it done this winter uh I sent it out to some proofreaders and they were like, oh, that was so much fun to just like take a tour mm-hmm. while I'm stuck in my house and it's, you know, 20 degrees outside and
0: just go like,
2: see everything there is to see along there. And
0: Sean, you're not always <laughs> in Nevada and you, you had the opportunity to take that tour. That's true.
1: So <laughs> yeah, one of the great things is the Nevada Natural Heritage Program is part of the Nature Serve Network. And so I've been able to visit, uh, as I was saying, all of these states in the East, um, and now I'm getting ready to travel around the West and heading into Northern California and Oregon, Idaho, Utah, Colorado, Wyoming in the, in the coming weeks, and uh, have this amazing uh, opportunity to see all of these endangered species. And what's interesting about that is you don't, we don't think a lot about endangered species in the United States. Yes, we have an Endangered Species Act, and there's about 1600 species on that uh, but in the states, each state has an endangered species act of some kind, and there's another 12,000 species that are listed in the states that um, are species of greatest conservation concern, that are threatened or imperiled in some way. And when you actually go see one, you're like, okay, that's interesting. That, that, I'm glad I saw that. And then you go see another one, and then you go see another one, and another one. And at some point, it it hit me anyway that I was seeing and photographing plants that very few people have ever seen in person. And depending on what happens with the environment, no one may ever see again, because they're gonna go extinct. And that is really, um, it can be kind of heady and depressing at the end of the day. And so I often ask people like Janelle, like, cause she clearly, right, a, a very upbeat, happy person. <laughs> How do you do it when your job is to spend yeah. time with all of these imperiled species. So how do you do it? How
0: do you do
2: it? (laughs) I just, I love this job. Um, Yes, there's a lot of things that are very rare in Nevada, and some of them are quite imperiled, but some of them that are really rare, um, they're just rare because their habitat is so very, very specific. It's like one certain kind of rock or... um, Or a spring. Or a spring or you know, some tiny little place, and um, they have survived in this place for so long, and they're so resilient in that, you know, uh, things have, bad things have happened in this place in the past, like storms, floods, you know, things, and they're still there, and that's amazing that they're still there. Um, So hopefully we can uh, encourage Others to help us protect these species so that we're not the ones who come along after a hundred thousand years and wipe them out. Yes. <laughs> and, and so, so we see but we do see a lot of good stuff. We see a lot of conservation work. Um, and so that's, that's sort of the the good stuff. Yeah. And also, I get to drive around the desert and take pictures of flowers. So, exactly, that's uh, not a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get paid to do it. So, um,
0: that's that's a, a great way to spend the day some days yeah and i do <laughs> want to get into how people could help also sean how people could follow you as you travel the country but um first we're going to take a quick break we will be right back you are to listening
1: you to
0: you enjoy listening to our podcast leave us a review on itunes and soundcloud for more information on hunting fishing boating and all things wildlife go to endow.org now back to the show welcome back to nevada wild today we are recording from walker river state recreation how lucky are we and we have sean o'brien nature Serve ceo and president here and we also have janelle johnson with the nevada natural heritage Division, or the Division of Natural Heritage, we were just saying, how, <laughs> you were just saying it out for us. Um, and we wanted to get into what the Division does exactly, because we've talked about it, we've been talking to you this podcast, but we haven't really covered exactly what it is. Sure. And you want to re- correct me on the Division name. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, so we're the Division of Natural Heritage now, formerly the Natural Heritage Program. So There we go. Yes, yes we just became a full-fledged Division uh, two years
0: ago that's awesome yeah and tell us what about the division we covered sure. nature serve in the first half so let's get into what you guys do so we
2: are because we're part of nature serve and part of the state so we have the same goals as nature serve of um, ranking which species are rare and um, tracking where these rare species are and um, and within Nevada, we are not a regulatory agency like Division of Wildlife. So we don't make any rules, we don't enforce any rules. We're sort of like a library for information about species, um, particularly rare species. Uh, so we gather data from our own field surveys. We get data from other agencies like Division of Wildlife. Uh, we get, um, information from contractors, from federal agencies. And so they send us this information about, I saw a bald eagle at this place, I saw this rare plant at this other place, um, how many they there were, and what kind of threats there might be to that population. And we take all of these different formats and different ways of collecting data and sort of mash it into our database that is designed by NatureServe and fit it into a very consistent format, so then when somebody is building a solar farm or a road or um, a housing development or doing some project on public lands where they're going to disturb an area, um, they can come to us and get all the data for all the species from all these different sources in one place. Um, and also when someone's doing research about a rare species, they can come to us and get all the data from all the different places, um, from our program.
0: And without all this data, it's like, how would anyone even know or be able to track these species? (laughs) Exactly. it's so critical.
2: If we don't know where things are and what the threats are to them, we don't really know what to
0: conserve or how exactly sean anything you want to add to that you spoke so well on it in the first half too about janelle took like all my talking points it was awesome (laughs) yeah she's Um, uh, both of you we do
1: the um what it is where it is and how it's doing are sort of the three key questions that natural heritage programs and nature serve talk about and the the what it is question is actually surprisingly difficult especially (laughs) with plants um keeping track of what they are and making sure that two different states are calling the same thing the same thing um, it's very challenging. <laughs> that is hard, and the where it is is absolutely critical. Because if you are going to build a road or development, you need to know whether or not there's something there that's going to be harmed by that project, and then how it's doing or what are the threats to it comes back to you know, development, um, climate effects, and other things that might be affecting the species, and so then you can determine how imperiled they are. And, uh, and do something to protect them, which goes back to the, the sort of positive attitude and the enthusiasm that people like Janelle have is they see on the ground the steps that are being taken to protect the things that they see as have as being challenged. And I think that's, it's really great because there is a lot of positive things happening with conservation in, in America.
2: It's, sometimes I've worked on projects where, um, say in Elko County, there was a place where they wanted to put a, a communication tower on the top of a mountain, but the route to get there went through a bunch of rare plants that grew right on the ridgeline. And so I went up there with um, some of the Forest Service staff and we found ways to reroute um, the, the power line that needed to be installed in a trench so they would have had to dig up the rare plants. And the rare plants there like to grow on rock outcrops, so they would have had to blast the rock outcrops to bury the cable um, in the existing roadbed. And so we were able to find alternative routes to go around most of the rare plants. Um, And so I like to work on projects like that with creative problem solving, Mm -hmm. where, you know, the the county gets what they need in their emergency management uh, communications, and we get to conserve some rare plants and we actually made it easier for them to install because the ground that they went through ended up being softer than the rocks that they were going <laughs> to blast.
1: This is a great <laughs> example of the attitude I think of natural heritage programs out of NatureServe and is that is that we're, we're trying to reduce conflict in conservation by providing information and data so that people can make the best decisions for conservation but also better decisions for the other thing that they're trying to do. And so we love it when people come to us early in the process and say, hey, tell us what's going on here. Because it's always easier and cheaper to reroute something before you actually start taking <laughs> <Exactly>. it. <right? laughs>
0: so I guess in, we were talking a little bit about how important it is um, to educate. We're all sitting here because we want to educate the public on this because we want them to want to get involved. What mm-hmm. can people to do, do to help um really with anything (laughs) when it comes to um, nature serve or yeah Um, there's
2: uh, we're trying to build within the division a community science program to get more people involved from the general public Uh, you can there are things you can do that you don't have to have a degree in biology to help us gather data it's an immense amount of land in nevada and there's very few professional botanists who um, are tasked with going out and recording where these things are and how they're doing, and all, on top of all the other work that they have to do. So, if we can get people who are coming out to camp or fish or hike or just enjoy the outdoors, you know, if they take a picture and post it to an app like iNaturalist that tells us, um, what it is, where it is, and um, you can put notes in there about, you know, I saw 50 of these or things like that. And that's really helpful data gathering for us because we can't be everywhere all the time. Um, exactly. Yeah. There's some states where there are lots of professionals and not mm-hmm. as much land and they ha- have an easier time of it <laughs> than we do. But we're here in Nevada.
0: Yeah. There's lots of land And we really see that with wildlife as well. Um, And also recently we were talking about rare butterflies on one of our podcasts. So these are the types of things that anyone, especially with iNaturalist, our wildlife educator would love you. She plugs that in every podcast (laughs) because we want more people to be using it because it helps so much with science. It really does.
2: Yeah. And we have two projects on iNaturalist that automatically gather up any observations of rare species in the state. So we have a, a long list of hundreds of species that we track that are on those um, projects. And so, and people can tag us in their iNaturalist post, and we can help them identify. We, it's not a guarantee. We can't identify like a blurry blob from its way over <laughs> on the hill. Like we get <laughs> those no <sometimes>. guarantees, <laughs> but you know, we do our best to uh, try to help people identify rare species from their photos. And uh, it's been great. Um Just this past week, I got three new observations of a rare plant near Reno, and it's like, hey, good, it's blooming. We can, now we can go start doing our surveys, and I haven't had to go out and check every week to see yeah, if there's any flowers awesome.
3: yet. <laughs> well, and it's nice that people can start without being an expert, right? Like, yeah. you're just going out in the field and taking a picture, even if you don't know what it is, and you have this opportunity to be engaged and to learn, and I, I, I yeah. at least see a lot of value for just the public to be able to, just like you said, contribute, and maybe that's that might not have even been their first intention it was just to, to learn and and then here you, you may have that
2: yeah and sure. some people are a little intimidated at first like i i can't post it if i don't know what it is mm-hmm. and, like i have to identify it. you don't at all you can take a picture and you're like i know this is a plant and you can just put plant and um, you know, other people will chime in and help you figure out. Like they're like, "Oh, that's in the sunflower family," and then somebody else will say, "Well, this is western hawkbeard," and there you go. You know what your plant is. <laughs> and
3: then just engaged learning. And I so I want to just get into this for a, a smidgen of a second. Sean, you've already done a year of this road trip, this fan trip, and I just wanted to know, adventure-wise, like what what have you been learning as you go along? Anything unique or uh, a story or just things that you're seeing that are, are yeah. similar or different?
1: So, well, first of all, if people want to keep up with the tra- trip, they can find NatureServe on all of the social media platforms and follow along because we post pretty regularly. Like this trip will be posted tomorrow or the next day, so we'll have a bunch of information we'll out there. We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, that. you'll share it. Uh, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, as you probably know, a lot of uh, adventure is misadventure. So like the time you accidentally spray uh, tire sealant on the inside of the van. Oh, no. It's <laughs> <That's> fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just standing there covered in tire sealant wondering what you're going to do. Um, but the best part really is um, it's, it's the people, not just the people like Janelle, but also the people in the campgrounds. So I've now stayed in uh, dozens of state parks and private parks and um, national parks and things like that. And the other people who are out you know, experiencing nature and sometimes it really is an alternate lifestyle and that's where they live. And being in nature is just sort of a bonus. And for other people, it's actually all about, you know, being out and having those adventures. And that has been really encouraging because everyone I've talked to, when they find out what I'm doing and what nature does, they're all like, oh, that's so great. That's so important. And it's really necessary that there's an organization like that that's keeping track of, uh, of American biodiversity.
0: One thing, not to change topics completely, but you mentioned the van. Your van has a name. We've been with you all day, and I don't think you've actually said the name in the podcast. I've heard the van's name, but could you explain your van's name?
1: I have named the van Van Humboldt, which is an homage to Von Humboldt, Alexander Von Humboldt, who was a naturalist and explorer, uh, sort of contemporary, funnily enough, with Napoleon. Um, He was a huge influence on Charles Darwin. Darwin brought... Uh, Humboldt's writings with him on the Beagle that was one of the books that he thought was most important to have along and Alexander von Humboldt really affected our current understanding of nature and the idea that nature is an ecosystem and things are interlinked. he discovered or he described the sort of parallel between latitude and altitude so things that are at higher latitudes can sometimes grow at higher altitudes it seems obvious to us now because temperature and all that but he's sort of the first person who figured that out and he was just the most amazing adventurer with almost no equipment or training. They climbed this mountain in South America called Chimborazo, which at the time people thought was the highest mountain in the world, and they just sort of decided that they were going to go up there and (laughs) carry all this equipment (laughs) and sample all the plants that they were experiencing, and uh, so Alexander von Humboldt, uh, there's a book called The Invention of Nature, which is a biography of him, and it's it's a it's a great read. Uh, it's by Andrea Wolf. If people are looking for it,
0: okay, that's yeah. awesome. So. Well, one more time, we only have a minute left. Is there anything else either of you want to say while we're here?
1: Well, I <laughs> want to thank you all for all the work that you're doing, um, trying to educate people about nature and about uh, Nevada's natural heritage, because it's truly inspiring.
0: It really is, and Sean. You said it. You said Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> did I? Oh. <laughs> we were talking about, sorry, we'll cut Nevada. that part out. Yeah, c- <laughs> no, sorry, Nevada. <laughs> no, I had to give you a bad time for it because we were talking about it earlier. <laughs> I, we did.
1: I'm from Virginia, and so I'm still getting used to uh, Nevada. We, no. f- we forgive you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why
0: it's so awesome to have you on because it's just fun hearing so who, what someone from outside of Nevada thinks of it. Yeah. So it's been really cool. Both it. of you, thank yeah. you so much. Um, and Sean, one more time, where can people go to follow you? Because you have more stops to go.
1: Uh, that's right. Uh, you can go to natureserve.org and actually you can find there some videos that we've done sort of reprising the trip from last year. And you can find the links to all the social media, Instagram and the others that um, we post information about, not just the Van Humboldt tour, but also just about um, nature in North America.
0: Awesome. And Janelle, anywhere you want to send people? Um, If you want to see
2: uh, the links to the trail, it's on our website at heritage.nv.gov. And you look for the community science program, and that's where you can find the links to the Washoe to Virginia City Trail. And um, I believe all of our social media goes through the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources.
0: Got it. But if you go to your website for the division, you could probably find... Ton of great information.
2: Sure, too. and yeah. we have a, a tool where if you want to know about um, s- uh, any species in Nevada, you can search for it, and it will give you all of the information that we have for that
0: species. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time. We're gonna go continue the tour now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and the bighorn sheep are still here.
0: Yay! So, so we better let we've gotta let, <laughs> we gotta go and get more pictures. Excellent so pleasure. thank you guys. Nice that right. does it for this week's Nevada Wild.